I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson, and I thank you so much for joining me here today. I have an extremely special guest to introduce to you today. It is my honor and privilege to introduce you to Ross Rosenberg. Uh, He is a psychotherapist, an educator, an expert witness, and a celebrated author. He's a global thought leader and renowned clinical expert in codependency, trauma, pathological narcissism, narcissistic abuse, and addictions. Ross's pioneering codependency contributions are responsible for the sweeping theoretical and practical updates and a treatment program that permanently resolves it. His YouTube channel best illustrates his global impact with 22 million views and 231,000 subscribers, as well as his Human Magnet Syndrome books with 150,000 sold in 12 languages. In addition, Ross has been featured on national TV and radio and is a regular radio and podcast guest. With that said, he's on our podcast today, (laughs) and I'm so excited. Ross, Uh, thank you for joining us today. Well, you know, the excitement is mutual. Um, I've heard so many great things about what you do and your contributions, and my community has benefited greatly. So I'm indeed um, honored to be invited. So thank you. Oh, thank you for saying that. And it's it's such an honor to have you here today. So let's just dive right in. Uh, I want your take on this. I want to know from your perspective, what is covert narcissism? Um, to understand covert narcissism, I have to kind of give, I have to jump back two steps. Um, in my book, The Human Magnet Syndrome, I created the term a pathological narcissist to explain the type of narcissist that codependents reflexively, predictably, uh, and sometimes uncontrollably fall in love with. And those uh, narcissists um, include three personality disorders narcissistic personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, and antisocial personality disorder, which is sociopathy. And and in writing the material that would become the book, I I dove into narcissistic personality disorder and realized um, through the research that there were different variations of it and that it would be more harmful than helpful to, to explain to people there's only one type of narcissist. Or, and I'm going to use the term NPD, Narcissistic Personality Disorder. And the more I researched and the more it, it, it matched my own personal and, and professional experience, the more I realized that if I can explain to people the different type of pathological narcissists, then it will be easier for them 
to see themselves in a relationship with them because the human magnet syndrome is largely a dissociative process. And in other words, and we'll talk about that later, yes. but in other words, the person falls in love, head over heels, the, the soulmate, the cellmate phenomena, and, um, and they don't really see the person um, in their in their full uh, re, uh, full real um, pathological self, and so the more information that I gave, I, the more information people could. It uh, it's like I could provide a mirror to them that they can hold up to their um, spouse, their significant other, and see them for who they are. So, of the subtypes of narcissistic personality disorder, one of them was covert narcissism, and. Um, and because, by the way, sometimes when I ask questions and I kind of do my circle mm -hmm. and I finally get to the question, I sometimes don't remember the question completely. Was it about, <laughs> tell us more about covert narcissism? What is your take on it? Yeah, of what is covert okay, that's narcissism? It. That's, yeah. I, I knew I was going in the right direction. So covert narcissism, first and foremost, is a person with narcissistic personality disorder. A personality disorder is a very, very important element and um, to consider and to practically um, um, to to use practically in your life a person with, with a personality disorder is highly psychologically damaged their mental emotional cognitive um, damage um, is on the level of brain and in, in fact they just did research where they showed um, how the sociopath, and I'm sure the covert narcissist um, would be very similar, the sociopath's brain looks different um, in an MRI than um, what a normal brain looks. So the covert narcissist is a combination of antisocial personality disorder. And as I was saying just a second ago, you have to understand personality disorder. That is crucial. In any of my explanations of NPD, borderline personality disorder, antisocial personality disorder, the personality disorder is a mental health designation that signifies the psychological damage is so pervasive that they, the person with the, the, the disorder, does not know they have it. They do not see themselves as having a problem. They see the world uh, in, in very distorted uh, in a very distorted manner, and the world is difficult for them. They are not difficult to others. They have such a deep sense of denial that they don't even know it. In fact, one of my favorite uh, jokes I used to say uh, back in the days when I did a lot of training is denial is an acronym. Don't even know I am lying. But, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> except no is with the wrong letter. Right, but, that's um, okay. <laughs> So with the personality disorder, uh, it's if you know that this individual has a personality disorder and you're in a relationship with them and you're a codependent, um, you are in denial about the reality of that fact. They can't change. They don't want to change. And if they did, they would not be able to. They, uh, there's very, very abysm abysmally low numbers of effective uh, 
treatments. Mm -hmm. So let's start with a covert narcissist has a personality disorder and they've had it their whole life, um, although they can't be diagnosed at age 18. Um, the person with narcissistic personality disorder, um, first, they don't understand or know about it. <clears throat> they see the world um, as um, their oyster. In other words, everything is for them. They believe, they actually believe that, um, that people should treat them preferentially. People want to listen to them, that they, they have great contributions. They believe that um, in relationships they should be in control. And they don't do it because they want to be jerks. Um, they, they do it because that's what they feel is right. And, and they're entitled. They're grandiose. They believe they're special in ways that don't fit reality. And they are the center of attention. Uh, they're usually charismatic. They um, can be controlling. They can be passive, aggressively controlling. And, and the list goes on for what is narcissistic personality disorder. So Renee, I have to remind you because, and remind anyone listening, I am a psychotherapist who has a clinical diagnostic background. And so I give information based upon years of training and education and certification that is consistent from one person to another. Mm -hmm. And that's important for um, your listeners mm -hmm. because there's a lot of people, some are wonderful con contributors and some eh, not so. They, they put their own spin on it. And when I start talking about things that are my own spin, I'll tell you it. Um, so back to, so a person who has covert narcissism is in my understanding, which I feel really confident it's correct, is they, it's a combination of antisocial personality disorder and narcissistic personality disorder. So let me, let me talk about the other side and then I'll put them together. So antisocial personality disorder, which is known, excuse me, known as uh, sociopathy or someone is a sociopath or a psychopath, And by the way, remind me to um, talk about Amber Heard because I want to draw this part into this conversation, but right, not right now. Um, um, and um, someone with ASPD has a disregard for rules and laws. They don't have empathy. They don't have remorse. They don't really want to or crave emotional, personal intimacy. They live by the, the pleasure principle. What feels good, do it. And if it involves hurting people, then they don't care so be um, because they don't have feelings. So they can cheat, lie, manipulate uh, rather well because they have no cognitive dissonance saying, oh, you really shouldn't do it. You know, what about their feelings? You know, which narcissists, can have and so, um, they are calculated cunning they can be oscar worthy actors in, in a life where people believe that they're wonderful giving sincere but none of it is true so covert narcissism is someone with a personality disorder someone who can be diagnosed diagnosed 
by every clinician seeing them if they have the information as having narcissistic personality disorder and they have traits of antisocial personality disorder. And depending on the covert narcissist, because I'm kind of loosey-goosey when it comes to diagnosing people. I start off with the black and white, and then I kind of am bringing more awareness that we shouldn't be so black and white. So we're dealing with people with narcissistic personality disorder who have sociopathic tendencies. And that is very important to consider because they know what they're doing. They plan what they're doing. They calculate what they're doing. They don't experience cognitive dissonance, that feeling of unease and anxiety of, you know, it's having empathy. Mm -hmm. And so a covert narcissist is someone NPD who is conscious of their NPD, hmm. conscious of it. They know they, they are not, they are not right in the head. Of course, they don't care because um, they know that they're selfish. They know that if people should find out who they really are behind the mask, that they will lose everything they work so hard to create. Mm -hmm. They are master actors and actresses um, who build a character that will help them in some way. More often than not, it's a professional. It's a character for, uh, for the purpose of making money, prestige, uh, or uh, um, acknowledgement, pu uh, public social acknowledgement. And that is everything to them. That is, fulfills their narcissism. They, because they're not sociopaths, they want to be in a relationship they actually can love people. And when I say love people, love according to the narcissistic rules. You know, they love people that let them be who they are and put them on the pedestal, which almost always is the codependent. So just, to, and I'll, I'll wrap this up in just a second, and, and, and I'd love to, to talk more about any aspect of what I said. But so they have these deep narcissistic needs. They have... Um, um, an ability to have narcissistic injuries. To someone with sociopathy, it's if they're if they get mad, it's not because you insulted them and all of a sudden they feel like, oh my gosh, how dare you? They just think you're being a jerk and you deserve to be hurt. And and of course they don't care. But they um, the covert narcissist, if angered or if exposed will have this exponentially anger, rage-fueled response because they exist and feel good about themselves because of their outside persona. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. their narcissistic needs are to be loved and adored and revered because that's the NPD part. To be admired. And, but anyone who's in relationship with a covert knows that behind the scenes, there's no mask. And I say this because one of my videos, which actually just hit the 3 million view, um, um, and, and I still can't believe 3 million people view that YouTube video, is don't take the mask off the covert narcissist. 
and I bring it up now is because everything that they have that is valuable to them requires that mask. And should you take it off, they will do anything to keep it on, to discredit you. And that's where the narcissism and the, and the antisocial personality disorder interact. Okay. Okay. I talk a lot in my that's podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's a mouthful. I talk a lot in my podcast about the image that a covert narcissist protects. And I think that's what you're mm -hmm. touching on there is they have built this world of who they are or who they show to the world, but it's not reality. It's a, it's an image. I've, I've said, you know, my husband was more in love with the idea of being a wonderful husband than actually being a wonderful husband. And I could relate that. Um, to and, 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 and that is correct, but I want to, I want to add to it. The image has to deliver something important to them. The person who is NPD um, is focused on their image. The person who has covert narcissism um, focuses on their image and uses it for personal, uh, for social, um, relational gain. That image is a is a tool to get them what they want. So it's the image has to be um, used in a way that delivers something important. Okay. Okay. That's a good, that's actually, yeah, a really, really beneficial thought there. So, so in your work that you do, you rename, you rename codependency. What is that name that you give to codependency? Um, codependency is, is kind of, um, kind of a made up name that makes no sense. And there's a bunch of those names, you know, in the history of, of, um, psycho psychology, but it eventually, um, excuse me, it originally meant the partner of an alcoholic. Um, it, it was co-alcoholic. And then in the 1970s, there was this whole movement to bring alcohol treatment centers and drug treatment centers together. So they called it chemical dependency. Then it became the partner of a chemically dependent person or co-dependent. And, and then it morphed in so many other ways and variations and lost its meaning. And by the time I woke up after my second divorce with a, a pathological narcissist, I couldn't find any literature that explained concisely and succinctly what, what is this problem and had a solution. And, and when I talked about it um, in clinical circles, people never took it seriously. So I decided I, um, I was going to change the name. Um, and of course, change the explanation and change the treatment. And I searched for a name for the longest time. And then one day it hit me. It was a eureka moment. I came up with, well, every codependent has a problem with self-love. And if they didn't have a self-love deficiency, they wouldn't be magnets for narcissists. And so I decided to rename codependency to self-love deficit disorder or SLDD. And the person from codependent to self-love deficient or SLD and every, okay, well, that's uh, around 98 to 99% of any codependent I know, um, personally, um, or professionally, they embrace that new term mm -hmm. because the diagnosis fits the problem. If you go to a doctor and you are depressed, your diagnosis is depression, major depression. You know, you know, it's every diagnosis is supposed to match the disorder. 
which is why in my books and, and, and my other material, I have not only um, renamed certain disorders, but I've come up with very black and white concrete definitions so that people can um, know what they have without um, getting confused with all the other stuff out there that is just it's just a lot of details but not a lot of uh, not a lot of substance okay so self-love deficit disorder and thank you for asking because that's a really important part of my personal journey yes and i and i know that it is and and so with the self-love deficit disorder can people get help can they can they heal from this is there a cure like is is there hope for them when I hit my bottom after my second divorce, I realized there was no treatment program or therapy or, or theoretical um, foundation that had a recipe for a cure. It was all about symptom management. Um, and, and I just started looking that codependence never really got better because first, the problem wasn't being understood. Second, if it was, the people didn't know about it. And third, they weren't trained at it. So I created um, even more theoretical changes because the human magnet syndrome has a lot of theoretical updates and changes to understand who are codependents and why they habitually and reflexively fall in love and decide to stay when they believe they can't. I created this, this theory that is simplified, and I have a YouTube video on it. Um, it's a pyramid, and, it, um, and it's called the Self-Love Deficit Disorder Pyramid. At the very bottom is the cause, which is attachment trauma, and that is the trauma that um, the, the codependent, the SLD, endured as a child at the hands of a narcissist, pathologically narcissistic and codependent parent. From that trauma, is core shame is the fundamental belief that you're broken, not good enough, and not love lovable enough if you should be your true self. From core shame is this deep bone aching existential disease, um, I call pathological loneliness. And that you it is the it is what you feel like in your body and in your life. And the only and that is replicates that person's childhood that was pushed down and in some ways disassociated. And the next level is codependency or SLDD addiction. And that is just like any other addiction. It is this compulsion to make the pain go away, the, the, the pathological loneliness. And the only thing that makes pathological loneliness goes away is a relationship. It's not an addiction to narcissists. Um, that's uh, that's masochism, <laughs> but and that relationship because of the human magnet syndrome, because of all the concepts that explain it, is always going to be with a pathological narcissist. Then at the very top of the the um, of the, the um, pyramid is everything we know about the SLD or the codependent, all the symptoms that have great variation from one type to another. So if you take that pyramid and you have this understanding, this is the problem, then you have to have a program, a treatment program uh, to solve the problem 
because you can't get rid of an infection if you don't neutralize the bacteria causing it or, or the virus. And my self-love recovery treatment program, which I have um, tons of uh, training and seminar, um, video and audio information at my website, um, mm -hmm. and we can talk about that later, um, has a very, uh, it has an 11 stage program. So to your, the answer to your question, <clears throat> it absolutely can be cured, but not if, but it, it, it is impossible if you don't understand what it is and have someone able to see the part that's invisible because part of the treatment uh, is to connect to the what I call the, the hurt inner trauma child that has been disassociated away. And I have been doing this for so many years and I have seen people go through my program and I call it a cure. I call it the codependency cure because there's nothing to fall back to. If you have resolved the, the trauma, the shame, the loneliness, the addiction, then you just become normal and you have regular problems, which can be serious, <laughs> but, um, but you, you can't go back to self-love deficiency because that part of you is not there anymore. So, so when our eyes get open to covert narcissism or what's going on in our, in our world or in our marriage, in our home, there's a door that closes behind us and we can't, it, it locks behind us. Like you can't unsee what you now see. Is this kind of the same way that you right. can't go back? Um, n no, um, because that is, it, that explains one element is is the knowledge it's it's like me it's like you know i can't go back um to like you know my college and recreate those days in fact you know, it reminds me of an old eddie money song can't go back <laughs> um and 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 so to that point it would be like someone saying you know i just can't go back because it doesn't fit with me anymore and and part of that is correct but the better explanation is you don't want to go back because it would be like going back to a place that doesn't have food, going back to a place that doesn't have um, heat that is terribly cold. It's like you, it, there's this almost automatic reflex of, Ugh. <laughs> and it's, it's like, it's like, it's, it's, it's the opposite of PTSD, PTSD is conscious and, and, and makes you avoid things. This is like, oh my gosh. It's like, and people with self-love abundance, which is the cure, um, and I know this from personal experience, I get body feelings when something dangerous is in front of me, a narcissist or the idea of getting into a relationship. And that, um, as much as trauma manifests in our body, so does the solution. So you are right. You, you just can't go back to it. But there is this, instinct to, to stay away from it, which is why it's important to do the treatment the way that I've prescribed. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Excellent answer and excellent explanation there. So the, the self-love abundance, I love that phrase. And, but I have to ask, so, so a narcissistic person is a person who's just absorbed in self-love is what we hear a lot about. How is this different? Yeah. Yeah. They're wrong. 
the, the, the people that are telling you about that, um, I respectfully submit they are misguided. <laughs> Doesn't that sound better than yeah. the <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, um, they're wrong. They're misguided um, because um, the narcissist hates themselves. They, if, if we look at the, or, and I discuss this in my book, and most of what I talk about is in my book, um, ex except, yeah, most of it. Um, they endured a childhood with unspeakable, tremendous trauma, abuse, neglect, deprivation, violence. And the trauma was so severe, the abandonment, the harm, the child had to find a way to survive and they had to push it down deep, far away, disassociate so that they mentally could survive. And that is the genesis or the beginning or, and the explanation for a personality disorder. And they bring that into their adulthood. So underneath the narcissist is self-hate. Mm -hmm. um, and most of them can't get there, but anyone who, anyone, most people who've had experiences with pathological narcissists who have successfully broken away or have watched them get fired or watched them go to prison, they have these moments where there's a window and it opens and it's never for a really long time where you see the inside and they cry and they beg and, and, and they talk about who they really are, you know, I need you, don't leave me, I'm nothing without you. Uh, and that window, unless you have borderline personality disorder, that window usually doesn't show um, most of the time. And when it does, it closes right back up. So their compensation for their self-loathing, self-hatred is the, the exaggeration the, the exaggerated form of self-love. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. um, and so that is where these people are right, that they <laughs> consciously are filled with self-love. But anyone, you, me, who, have, who has been in a relationship with covert narcissists and, and can make sense of what we see, you see a broken person desperately trying to get people to love them and should they be a covert narcissist, then then they have a um, a plan and a trap to make that happen. Yeah, and and Does that, that makes window, sense. It, it is true. Yes. Yeah, and and when that window opens I just had, of of that brief uh, moment of of the genuineness that you might see for just a moment, it it appeals to the the victim's sense of of wanting to take care of them, wanting to fix it, wanting to help. Uh, which doesn't, exactly. you, you might think you finally have reached a moment of genuineness and there's hope, but it ends up honestly doing more damage. And my situation did more damage because it just made me that much more invested in fixing this relationship. Yeah, I, uh, one of the things that I enjoy and one of the things, you know, I'm, I'm lucky, fortunate or blessed is I like to create explanations and new names. But what, um, so I have a name for that. It's called the humanization trick. And that is to turn on um, the, um, the display of being sad, hurt, remorseful, guilty. Start talking about your childhood. Start talking about remorse. Mm -hmm. 
um, I one of my um, one of my most viewed videos is is I forgot the title, but it's the twelve things narcissists do should you go no contact or terminate the relationship, and it goes through every single step. And around number six or seven, when none of the previous steps worked, they do the humanization trick, and they start to show these human traits. And should you be codependent and not um, in, involved in good treatment or, or therapy, it 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 works every time with mm -hmm. the codependent. Do you remember the movie um, The Blues Brothers by any chance? Yes. Yes. Um, or did you see? Okay. I, there's a scene, and I used to show it in my trainings, and. Uh, of John Belushi finally at the end of the movie is caught by Carrie Fisher and she's ready to shoot him. And he does all of his, those tricks mm -hmm. right in a row. Mm -hmm. It's been and a long time, works, but yes, you're he right. He pulled off the sunglasses and he looks at her with that seductive look of just genuine compassion. And she drops the machine gun, mm -hmm. they kiss, and then he throws her in the mud and he starts walking. The, human, the humanization trick is potent and powerful. It is. It is. And that I like that that term, humanization, uh, for it. Because it's, it is. It's like you finally get a moment of humanness from somebody who hasn't shown that genuineness. It's not in their nature. And you finally get a glimpse of it. And it can give you the hope and relief that you've been begging for and screaming for on the inside, you know, for years or, or decades for some yeah. people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it's not real. And it's not real, um, no. It's, I, well, you know, I, I take that back. It's contrived and it's it's a combination. It's it's that window where they are the hurt child, you know, that window that is always closed for good psychological reasons, but it's used for manipulative reasons and it's not, uh, it's not real because it mm -hmm. cannot last. And it's going to be slammed back shut. Yeah. yeah oh, of course, of course, because they have a personality disorder. Right. And if they're a covert narcissist, they have everything built on their 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 mask and their costume. And wow. you're just an impediment to that process. So they have to turn the tide eventually once they get out of the proverbial jail. Wow. You're you're describing exactly um, a situation that had happened with me when my I was at the end of my rope with with the whole relationship and my marriage and everything and he one day poured his heart out to me of all the abuse he had suffered as a child and everything that had happened and how bad he, he knew that he had been and how he had treated me. And I had so much hope. And literally, your closing of the window analogy, he was, we were in my vehicle, we were in my van uh, at a lunch, but it was, it, we mm -hmm. stepped out to have some privacy from the restaurant. And so we were in my van and he got out of the van and that closing of the window was him slamming of the door. Um, and so it literally yeah, happened in my life. Yeah. Yes. And, and it, ha by the way, it happens all the time because one, the covert narcissist, like any other narcissist fell in love with the SLD or the codependent because of a mutual force. It wasn't that they lied and manipulated, which I'm sure they do, but they found a person who it was so susceptible to see that as charming, wonderful, and loving traits. It's like a dance, the leader and the follower. They mm -hmm. need each other in order to get what they both want. And so if the narcissist the, can't re-trigger that 
fantasy, that 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 belief that this is could work and make them remember what it used to be like, which wasn't real because it, it in the narcissist mind it was all kind of fabricated. Right. That's where trap works. Wow. When it works. Yeah. You talk about the dance in your book. You know, I'd earlier said Yes. Yeah. Real quickly before I forget, I, I said, uh, remind me about Amber Heard. What I want to say about that is the idea that we we can use sociopathic traits as, alongside with a diagnosis is important. So she was diagnosed with uh, borderline and histrionic personality disorder, but she has discernible sociopathic traits. And, and whether she was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder, I want people to understand that you don't have to be a full-blown sociopath in order to um, be diagnosed with it. So just I wanted to say that before I forgot. Okay. But you asked me about the dance. Yes. Um, um, so I wrote the book in 2012. In around 2010, when... I was at another bottom of my life, you know, after a relationship, I, um, I started to come up with this idea to explain why codependents always fall in love with narcissists because no one else could tell me what was happening. I had to figure out this self, figure it out by myself. And the greatest contribution the therapist ever did, um, ever did, uh, uh, for me was to help me understand my participation in the problem because you can't get better if all you can see is how you were victimized by it now the victimization is true and never should be discounted or you know belittled or undervalued but the codependent willingly makes decisions um, to um, fall in love with and be attracted uh, okay, let me rephrase it. The codependent unconsciously and consciously matches up perfectly with the narcissist. And if you can imagine a dancing partnership, the, the leader who loves being the center of the, of the show guides the whole dance. And for that dance to bring him joy and fun and recognition, he has to find someone who loves it as much as him or her, but knows exactly how to follow him, knows to read every move, every subtle nuanced um, uh, technique. And when the codependent giver, sacrificer, um, patient, mm -hmm. Self-effacing mm -hmm. meets the bold, charismatic, grandiose, entitled. It is like this fit that is perfect. It's mm -hmm. like two opposite magnets mm -hmm. coming together, and it and that is why when a, a SLD falls in love with the narcissist, they experience um, such incredible limerence or chemistry. They fall in love, and it is a human phenomenon that when we fall in love with people, our brain starts secreting all sorts of chemicals and hormones, and we and they are drug-like, and that's that is 
the most wonderful feeling and it happens to everyone. Mm -hmm. But for these two broken, damaged people that don't know it, they are being delivered out of loneliness, pathological loneliness into this, this union and this rapture and that chemistry. Um, I used to joke and call it, it's chemistry on crack. Um, they don't know it comes from their childhood, but it is this, it's this unconscious feeling of familiarity, that paradoxical feeling of safety. The SLD feels safe because they are with a person that they have, person personality type that they have known their whole life. They have, you know, loved that type of person their whole life. They, they know how to, what to do. And if you think of someone being healthy, not an SLD, um, and and that person dan um, dancing with them, they don't know what to do and how to do it. And and the partner is going to be scared and nervous. So it is this unconscious chemistry-based attraction that fits perfectly um, with their psychological trauma and, and that is the dance. And when I came up with that idea in 2011-ish, it caught on, you know, no, I mean, I wasn't a public figure. I didn't even have a blog, <laughs> but I was, I was printing those, uh, that essay over and over again. And from that essay grew what would become my human magnet syndrome concepts. I love the analogy and it's so, uh, it just explains it so well because, um, you know, yes, we play that role of the follower in that dance, but the other piece being then that the, the leader of that dance shows us off and makes us be this spectacle. And, right. I mean, it can be such a such an overwhelming, you know, the, the chemistry is real high. The reaction, the euphoria that it creates is an extremely uh, intense state. It, it, and, and that is the delusion SLDs or codependents have. I, you know, I had it more times than I, I want to remember is this knowingness, this love, this, this feeling like you've known that person your whole life, this ache to help them, yeah. to take care of them. Yeah. It comes from the, unconsciously a disassociated version of a trauma, what I call the inner trauma child um, that has been kind of sequestered and locked away um, in their uh, um, their limbic system, particularly their, their amygdala, it's the it's the trauma that they know. It's the it's the fantasy come true of what they wanted as a child, mm -hmm. with the type of person that they've always wanted, which could have been. I know this sounds incestuous, but it's not technically, whether it was their mother or father. Mm -hmm. Where they they it's a feeling of I found my soulmate. I found the the you know male version of me or the, you know, the, I, I went through some of that and my knight in shining armor. I mean, it just, he swept me off exactly. my feet. It was a match made in heaven. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And that's a story of all SLDs. Mm -hmm. My dad, a pathological narcissist, um, made, and I said he made one contribution to my book, but he actually made a huge contribution because of his pathological narcissism <laughs> and the hermit caught me. Yeah. <laughs> I was able to, but uh, he said, he used to joke, you know, um, and 
and it said in the um, what starts off as the the cellmate dream ends up with the, as a as a what starts off as the soulmate dream ends up as the cellmate nightmare. Yeah. yeah. And um, I've read I've you, I've read that, that in um, your works, and yes, I it is absolutely true. It's like the people who say, you know, I went in to get a marriage license, and I thought I was getting a marriage license, and I came out with a degree in psychology. You know, um, yeah, the same, that's, that's funny. same yeah. idea. So well, I could talk yeah. with you forever. Uh, I thank you so much for, for being here and for sharing your work with us. If, if people want to learn more about the work you are doing, where do they go to find you? Well, first of all, um, that was strategically placed. <laughs> of course, yes. <laughs> um, um, this book, um, you can get this on Amazon. Everything that I do everything that um, I talk about, my products, my services, ranging from expert witness to psychotherapy to a week, an intensive weekend retreat can be found at selfloverecovery.com. And if you, anyone who wants more information could just write an email at help at selfloverecovery.com or if they just want to be put, if they just want to be on our mailing list, so they can be up to date on all the upcoming exciting developments. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. But thank you so much for inviting me. I, I, I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope so very much that it's going to help your community and the listeners of your podcast. Well, and I thank you for joining us. And it's such a, and the, and those links will be in the you know the show notes to the podcast and all of that available you know to all of you out there. Um, but Ross, thank you so much. We're on the same mission of just helping our world and, and helping people who are dealing with this. And you feel so alone and that, that pathological loneliness. Yeah, it's an intense loneliness that's out there. And so thank you so much for the work that you're doing for our world and reaching out to help those well, people. Well, I, I love it. And, and should you want to pick my brain another time, I would be honored to talk more about um, any topic that I'm passionate about or and or know a little bit <laughs> i will take you up on that offer and i tell my audience now that yeah. this will be a recurring event so oh thanks all right i appreciate that you take care and you be well. all right thank you so much same to you 